0: Hello and welcome to this episode of about the adventure podcast. My guest is Sarah Manning-Ball who gave up her job in the corporate world to start up her own food business, glorious grazes and posh picnics. Themes during her interview include mental health, imposter syndrome, career coaching and making dreams happen. This episode carries a content warning because Sarah talks about suicidal thoughts, anxiety, and depression at several points during the interview please take the time to consider if this is a good time for you to listen. This is my favourite place,
1: I think, in the whole of the Peak District. It's just so relaxing. I love it. Hard work getting here.
0: When you're not very fit. It's mostly uphill, (laughs) isn't it? it? Yeah, but oh (laughs) God, it's worth it. And do you really think you're going to get in the waterfall? Yeah. You're going to do it? No yeah no
1: I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my best
0: is this a sort of place where people might bring one of your glorious picnics
1: well they are perfect for popping in a backpack and if you're going out on a special walk which my husband and I we tend to on our anniversary go out walking they are perfect for sticking in your backpack and eating by a beautiful waterfall in the
0: sunshine so yes and what makes them glorious and what makes them posh
1: Well, what isn't glorious about a picnic? A picnic is generally taken in the countryside and my God, look at our countryside. What makes them posh? Everything I do is quality because that's what my business is built on. It it has to be first-class quality of absolutely everything. Wherever possible, I source all of my ingredients from within 10 miles of home. I'm building relationships with local suppliers and just gleaning knowledge from some really interesting people who have got the same passion about what they do as i have it's the
0: whole food thing for me is glorious
1: but that's where my name came from
0: and where did that perspective come from
1: i think it's food has always been a big part of who i am and what i have done I've always been a people pleaser and kind of always had a knowledge with food from being a, a really, really young age. I mean, as a youngster, probably 10, 11, my, my mum spent a lot of time in London with my eldest sister because she was really very poorly. So that left me and my dad at home. And I would cook for him at, at that young age but we would go and we would source fish and I would make up recipes for for grilling fish at you know 10 years old and it kind of the passion's just grown with me and I think it is a privilege to feed people you can't live without food and to be able to present somebody with with a dish I've made that I've that I put my heart and soul into and for them to enjoy it, it just the the appreciation that people have of you for for doing that for them it's it's one of the best feelings in the world it really is just such a lovely feeling to know that you've given somebody a meal that's part of your soul it, I I just love it I just I love what I do and I hope that comes across in my offering I I, the feedback that I get is that you can tell that I've got a passion for what I do so it's it's working its way through somehow. I'm already thinking about the cake we're going to have later that you've made. Oh it's pretty spectacular (laughs) it it is pretty spectacular (laughs) homemade lime and
0: and orange marmalade made into cake. So what made you decide to create a business around this love of yours so
1: I worked for many years for a large global company eventually getting to a, a very senior position within that company and my mental health gave way you know I I'm all, at the time, I was almost embarrassed to say that I was I was struggling with my mental health because on the outside, I had absolutely no justification for it. I had a charmed life. I have a wonderful husband. I have two wonderful children. You know, financially secure, but that didn't stop my mental health giving way. I I began to suffer with anxiety and. That led me to a very, very, very dark place. There was only one one place I was going and it was down. And looking back now, it's quite terrifying the, the place I'd got to. But with a little bit of time and a little bit of space and a little bit of career coaching um, from you and you made me look at myself and really ask myself why why i was thinking of going back into a world that had made me or essentially made me so poorly and you asked me what made me happy and what made me happy is, is feeding people and looking after people so it was quite a a quick thought process for me to go from that conversation to right let's set up a food business and i i started with glorious grazers and posh picnics because it was actually quite simple to start up the the startup costs are are minimal it didn't need a lot of equipment it just needed a, a little bit of clever marketing and it happened and it happened really quickly i guess the business was born out of desperation to escape the the dark place I was in and it's absolutely done what it was designed to do
0: (laughs) absolutely how are you feeling now compared to how you felt when you were working in the corporate world I have never been
1: as happy as what I am now I love my life I love the the freedom that having my own business gives me don't get me wrong it's hard work it's it's constantly in my head having your own business is it for me it's like having a third child you know i it's constantly there somewhere in my thoughts but in a good way it's not it's not stressful it's not anxiety provoking it's just it's there it needs to be looked after it needs to be nourished it needs to be fostered and it's growing and somewhere along the line I'm doing the right thing so it I couldn't feel any different to what I did a year ago though I now have have such a charmed life i i said before i had no reason to to feel depressed because i had a charmed life i didn't have a charmed life really i was at the mercy of a big corporation i have a charmed life now i'm at the mercy everything i've got
0: is what i've built and that's a real pleasure having already known that you love food and you love people receiving the things that you make, already knowing that and knowing that you weren't happy already in your corporate job, what was the game changer? What, what made you suddenly see things so clearly? Crisis is,
1: is, the, is my reality. I was faced with the dilemma of, do I step in front of a train? That that was how dark it had, had got for me. There was just a very, very small chink of light that I grabbed hold of and I followed. So it's it's not been an easy process to get to where I am, but I've done it. And now I'm here, I can't ever see me going back. That like, little glimmer that you followed, how would you describe that? I think that little glimmer gave me the ability to have blind faith. I pulled myself away from the side of a track. I could pull my way myself away from anything. If if I if I could stop what was gonna happen in, in my own head then I could I could do anything. It it can grabbing hold of that tiny chink of light almost made me feel invincible. I didn't, at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have any clue of what my future would look like. But I knew I had a future. And that's, that's an amazing thing to feel. When you go from the the depths of depression where taking your own life is, is the only thing that you've got, to knowing that you've got some sort of future, that's
0: a massive step. A massive, massive step. Do you think part of it was about giving yourself permission to follow something that you actually really enjoy
1: yeah, absolutely it A lot of it was giving myself permission, but also a lot of it was ignoring the voices in my head that were mainly saying, "What are other people gonna think?" You know we are quite programmed as a society to worry about what other people think and Certainly, being in the competitiveness of corporate world you you're almost you're almost trained to to worry about what other what other people's views are of you and and how you compare to other people and I think having having a mental health crisis and stripping everything back to basics got rid of that need for me to compare myself to others nobody will very few people will have the level of success i've had in pulling myself back from the brink that's something that i am immensely proud of and something that i wouldn't wish on anybody else but the level of dedication towards yourself and your needs that that takes i'm so proud of, of that achievement above anything else It's just it's a it's a fight and it's a battle that that you have to have with with yourself and ignoring what you think other people think massively important. I kind of had more than the seed of an idea when when I came to see you but I was I was still transfixed on finding another role within corporate world. It hadn't actually occurred to me until you kind of opened up my thought processes and opened up my creativity that actually those those daydreams that I've been having could be a reality, and then but now very much a reality. They're they're my day to day life. So sometimes all it takes is somebody to make you think of think about things in a different way you don't necessarily have to have different thoughts, you just have to think about those thoughts in a different way if
0: that makes sense and what were the first few steps that you took to actually make it happen
1: I drew a logo and I decided on a colour palette and I knew that it needed to be something opulent and from that tiny seed of right I like blue and pink grew quite a a substantial sapling, shall we say, that is literally how it started. Just that logo and and colour scheme, and I'm quite a a big one for for a spider diagram. I like to brain dump in a spider <laughs> diagram. <laughs> so I have um, I have glass doors in my office, glass uh, some big glass sliding doors in my office. So I drew a huge spider diagram on there. Oh, well, I've got two doors. I drew a huge spider diagram of what I could do with posh picnic, uh, glorious grazes, and posh picnics. And on the other one, I did a SWOT analysis because, really, you can take the girl out of the corporation, but you can't take the corporation out of the girl. <laughs> yeah. So I I did a, a SWOT analysis, and I couldn't really think of anything negative. So I knew, I knew at that point, you've
0: got to give it a go. So. That's what i did and what were the steps after that what grew out of that in the first because i think it's really helpful for people because obviously now you've got this functioning business and you've got clients but i think for a lot of people it's those really early st- stages where it is just initially designing a logo and doing spider diagrams and then what are the next steps before you get that first person coming to you and saying i want to buy your product so I gave quite a lot of thought into marketing because
1: as a small startup, the old adage of fake it till you make it is absolutely <laughs> true. You know, I, I hadn't made a graze box ever when I first started, so I made one up, I, I looked on social media, started looking at how other people put them together, I made one up, I... I put it on my picnic table by the river and I took pictures of it and banged it on social media. I am literally the poster child for blind faith. No planning and blind faith and it it just grew from there. It doesn't matter what you do, you've just got to do something and learn as you go. I didn't have a clue how to set my own business up. I didn't have a clue but I had an idea and a will and if you've got those things you find your way you find you, you just find your way
0: so you mentioned the river down by your house what role would you say that nature has played in your journey so far
1: nature has played a huge part in my recovery so probably the the biggest thing it did for me was when I was on the first started on medication, everything slowed right down as, as I said, and it gave me that chance to I'd go for a walk and I'd see buds opening on trees, or I'd hear water running or leaves rustling or a bird that I probably hadn't noticed those things for 20 years. And it made me realise that I'm not the centre of the universe. My, my problems and my, my issues are tiny in comparison to what we've got around us. If I ever felt myself going into what I call the darkness, so whether that be anxiety or the, the startings of depression, I'd go and sit somewhere quiet in nature. We, we have a, a woodland close to where I live and it's just a, a, a small woodland glade and it's got a tiny little trickly stream through it. I would go and sit in there and just listen. And it helped bring everything back into perspective. And you've got this, Sarah. You can, y- y- there's nothing you can't handle. You've been through the worst this everything around
0: you is is here to help you just use it that's beautiful and how does that compare to how you would maybe deal with anxiety beforehand oh i didn't deal with anxiety beforehand uh well no i
1: did i let it build and i let it build and then i would explode which is you know i had the i had quite a reputation in the industry i worked in for for being a bit of a cow part of that was I always felt like I was an imposter never felt like I fitted in which is anxiety building in itself it just used to come out the wrong way I was a really angry little bunny really hateful sometimes and it sounds very hippie but now there's no need to be like that just go and scream at a tree not a person (laughs) you're not going to hurt a tree's feelings and and i have been known to do that uh you know when it when when i felt particularly bad i've been and shouted at a tree and argued with a bush and yeah it sounds a little bit crazy but it's not a person and you haven't got to deal with the consequences of your actions when, when you've been shouted at nature unless of course it's a sheep or something like that they don't like you shouting at them <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think it's partly the, the nature of working in offices and in buildings that you feel enclosed and <sighs> then your, your feelings yeah. feel yeah that
1: oh, abso- enclosure absolutely uh, air conditioning units circling dirty dirty air and pardon the pun, but dirty thoughts you're not, you're not sweeping anything out you're not, you're not clearing anything you, know, you, you go into your office at 8 o'clock in the morning, you sit there you sit at your desk and have lunch then you walk out at half past five at night and you don't see the sunshine, you don't hear the birds you don't, you don't feel the wind on your face you, you almost lose your human side, you become an office robot we are all part of nature getting outside and particularly coming somewhere as beautiful as this you realize how human you are i think that's a really important thing that all of us need to do we need to realize what it means to be human and it's not about you know holding down a a fabulous job and you know the the riches that that can bring to you it's about experiencing something experiencing things that warm your soul which working in an office is never going to warm your soul
0: what are the sort of environments that you work in now
1: well i work from home so my my day job so to speak is out of my domestic kitchen so i'm at home which you know how lucky am i to be able to take my young son to school and pick him up every day that that's just amazing but then i also get to work because i i added i've added various different brands to my head of brand so i i have a private chef brand and i get to work in the most spectacular houses just houses that you dream of living in when you're a child big country mansions to beautiful city town houses what i do is luxury so the people who are hiring me are very very affluent people very very lovely people i have not come across somebody touch wood as yet that hasn't been absolutely delightful but again that's the privilege of what i do i'm helping people celebrate oh my god how lucky am i i i am going to people when they are having fun i am helping people have fun there are very few people who are that privileged in life so what's the experience you actually create for them then for the private chef brand they are getting a restaurant quality chef they have autonomy over their own menu so we design a menu together of their favorite foods and then they get me and my waiting staff to go and deliver that food to them in their own home yeah it's great going out but i think one thing the pandemic has done to people is made them people are still wary of going out people are more comfortable in their home environment so they want to recreate that that's that restaurant feeling but in their own homes and that's what i take to them so i mean that that's that's a big part of, of my business but i also have my my food truck who's called hattie which i know it's a bit odd to to name wood and metal but i i don't really work with with anybody else she she's my work colleague we have really long chats she's not a big talker but that's okay because i am <laughs> but she has a real personality and you know I, I hope in the not too distant future to get her some brothers and sisters online so i'm on the lookout for for something that'll will be solely a bar so a mobile bar and she's going to be called millicent because she's going to be a little bit dark and probably a little bit dirty <laughs> so i'm thinking black pink and uh and leopard print for her. But anyway, I, I digress into one of my crazy thoughts. The the one thing that, or one of the things that opening my own business has, has taught me is to, you know what, listen to those dreams. Cause well, that's where two arms of my business have come from. Literally the private chef was a dream I had one one night and by lunchtime the next day without any planning or anything like that was, was a brand on my website. And by the end of that week, I'd got my
0: first booking. So, just that blind faith. You seem like such a proactive person. Once you've made your mind up, it's happening. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Impulsive, I think. It's it's how most people would describe me. (laughs) Yeah, I I do like to do things on an impulse because I think everything's a good idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, you're still working with people. How do you manage those challenging days now that is different to before
1: you know what In the whole I mean I'm nine months into the business now I'm, I'm 12 months into planning it but I'm, I'm nine months into an operational business and I can hand on heart say I haven't had one bad day but it's the nature of what I do I the one thing I say to my private chef clients is book me and forget about me just I am i don't want to make anything difficult for anybody. My whole thing is you wouldn't go to a restaurant and worry about your play settings and your glassware and things like that and what food you're being served. Don't do that. Just leave me to it. I've got you covered. And that's kind of the reputation I'm getting now. So I don't think that's a bad reputation to have. I have to be careful that people don't abuse it and you know abuse my kindness and my willingness to please
0: have you needed to set those boundaries with anybody
1: no not not hard and fast i mean i'm quite i'm quite forthright with how i deal with people and i don't leave a lot of room for any ambiguity and if i'm not prepared to do something i will say because i am quite an open and straight to the point person people get it from the start so they they know that there'll be a boundary there somewhere and probably shouldn't step <laughs> up to it mm-hmm. but in all honesty that's how i was in corporate world i never had a problem with with customers in corporate world people within the orga- within my own organization yeah there there could be friction but my my thing has always been the customer comes first, if they want something, you do everything you possibly can to get it, and if you can't do it, you're honest about it. I have had some requests of things that i can't I'm not prepared to do as as a private chef or as as a caterer and I think that is where a lot of businesses in my industry go wrong. they do over promise, and caterers can be destroyed with one one bad job and i'm very very aware of that i'm very honest about my capabilities
0: what's it like between the excitement of getting a booking then the actual real commitment side of that because obviously it's really exciting when someone's really interested in what you do and they want to hire you but then there's the other side of it of right i've I've got to make this commitment now and i've got to spend my weekend there instead of with my family for example And all of it's quite new for you as well. How do you get through that?
1: My family are incredibly supportive. So we make the most of all of our time together. So yes, I might be working weekends now as opposed to working Monday to Friday, but I have an insane amount of time with my family now. So, you know, working in corporate world, I could be gone for 12 14 hours a day. Now I'm there at breakfast time, I'm there at I'm there at tea time, I'm there at bedtime. I think as you grow up and you look back on your childhood memories, it's not those one-off days out that you remember. It's the the long-term quality family time. So I kind of don't have that mental mental hurdle of working at weekends that a lot of people do because both myself and my husband are very conscious of, of making all time as a family, quality time. I get very nervous on the the run-up to a job. I still suffer with imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Can I do this? I remember going to my first private chef gig and I had to pull over in a lay-by because I was having a panic attack. What have I done? Oh my God, why have I done this? What? Why have I taken a job here? Oh my God, I can't cook the standard of food that they'll be used to. And I just had to have a word with myself, like, come on, kid, you've you, you you've got this, come on. And just calm myself down. And it went fabulously. And now actually they're a regular customer. So I think it's good to have the nerves. It keeps you, it keeps the arrogance at bay, <laughs> which as a, you know, as a chef, you can become very, very arrogant. And I, I think we we see that a lot with famous chefs there is a lot of of arrogance out there in in the the catering trade so having that level of nervousness keeps that in check for me.
0: So what was the event actually like what was your what was your real life experience of it?
1: It was fabulous it was a lovely I mean it, it was a huge country house that I was working in it was a uh quite an important business dinner that they were having with clients and their their staff just took me in and treated me like their own and straight away as i walked through the door i knew i i've got this i have got this and the ner- as soon as i walked through the door and and i was on duty it had gone and uh, i guess it's like dealing with animals if you show fear something's going to go wrong don't show any fear blind faith <laughs> that that
0: i'm going to keep coming back to that have blind faith since you started the food business have you had any wobbles oh
1: gosh yes massively i had probably about january this year huge wobble I would, I'd got myself back onto LinkedIn. I was looking at, at corporate jobs and, you know, I'm going to apply for this, apply for that, apply for the other. And my husband actually just said to me, Sarah, have you forgotten that salary is how they bribe you to forget about your dreams? Oh, yeah, it is. And that was it. It had gone. And the the blind faith came back. It, I think... You, it's quite easy to get scared of your own business and and think you're going to fail. Well, the only failing is not trying. The the things will go wrong. They they will go wrong. But you learn to roll with the punches and you learn to adapt very very quickly. If you can't adapt very quickly, probably working for yourself isn't isn't for you and that's okay but you do have to essentially when you're working for yourself you're fulfilling every single role within a business you know you you are your operations manager you're your managing director you are your head of HR you you are everything and you just you just have to adapt with whatever situation you face nothing can't be overcome with a little bit of creative thought live outside the box it's a lot more interesting
0: was there something in particular that triggered you to go and start looking at jobs again was there something specific or was it just the time of year and i think it it was probably that that time of year where i think at
1: the beginning of the year you kind of reflect on the previous year and i had a hell of a year last year I, you know i went from very very some very very high highs to the lowest of lows and i guess january was the time where you where you look back and you reflect and you go oh god i think it it brought back some of those the reflection brought back some of those feelings of i'm not good enough i don't belong doing i don't deserve to be doing what i'm doing oh my god what are what must people be thinking of me and and whatnot so I think that's what caused it but I've not had one since I I have had those thoughts since like oh my god can I actually do that this and I think what that what that big wobble taught me was to go yeah of course you can
0: you can do anything and is that all it took for your husband to say to you about the salary yeah that's all it took, and then you yeah. just you just stop doing it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, the, you know, the smallest of things can be what what snaps you out of that that vicious failure th- thoughts. Because I was convinced I was going to fail, and no, no, the only failure is not trying. If this all goes belly up in four months' time, I've not lost anything. What I've gained is a year of in- incredible experience and actually if I did ever have to go back into corporate world I go back with a whole new set of principles I go back on my terms and that's that's huge for me I'm not pretending to be something I'm not you either want the skill set that I've got or you or you don't I wouldn't see going back to corporate world as a failure I can't hand on heart ever see it happening because if
0: if this business doesn't work i'll keep trying until i find one that does it sounds like you've got different arms this business of you know it's not it's not just the the glorious grazes and and picnics it's it's so much more than that it's private chefing and running um your van that was a
1: conscious decision to do that as well conscious unconscious It, it was a. I dreamt about it, so I'm going to do it kind of thing. But when my rational brain kicked in, it was kind of a a conscious, right, let's spread the load a little bit. Because through winter, people aren't going to want picnics. They're still going to want grace tables because people still have celebrations. But they're not going to want the picnics and things like that. So I need something to fill the the quiet months of of that. Um, But I'm now at the point where I'm going to have to start taking on staff. Which never in a million years did I think that would be the case. <laughs> um I mean I I actually had a, a conversation with somebody from Nottingham Trent University a couple of weeks ago. And I'm quite frightened of taking on staff if if I'm really honest about it, because I didn't do that well with people within my old corporate organisation. So it's kind of made me fearful of my skill set around dealing with people, but I think now that it's my own business I'm very very much more relaxed and I can ask people to do it truly how I want it to be done and not have to consider is that the corporate way in in inverted commerce. So yeah, staff is the next is the next thing because it has grown which, oh my God, I'm super proud of. If I can give somebody the opportunity to come on board with me and, and you know learn the business from the ground up, oh, wow. And you're doing that this summer, aren't you, with an intern? Yes, so I have an intern this summer who um, I'm actually taking them on. I've got them for eight weeks and they are coming on board to do a very, very specific project for me. Um, so my husband and I have, have both gone into self-employment within the last year. Um he's a, a personal trainer and nutritional coach. We're looking at doing a retreat together. So a a wellness and nutrition retreat. So obviously I will do all the hospitality side, he will he will do all the, the health and nutrition side. So I it's a very much a marketing-based um role that I've got the the intern for this summer to to investigate the competition and and that kind of thing around around doing a retreat we're hoping to hire a, a chateau in France to do it this is a dream I had <laughs> and I'm not, you ask any of my friends I'm not an airy fairy person and I never have been I've kind of learned in recent months to your dreams happen for a reason somebody's trying to tell you something listen to it listen to what your dreams are telling you so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> What's one of the highlights that you would like to share? I think you know what I can't I can't single out one highlight. Every single job that I do, whether it be a grey a single-person graze box or whether it be an afternoon tea for 50 every single experience has something that warms my heart and that's really important i think i must have spent most of my life completely soulless but in the past 12 months i've found my soul and make it just seeing other people happy and celebrating it really it makes my world i'm one of the luckiest people who walks this earth so I also find I get very emotional these days as well because I'm so bloody proud of what I do.
0: <laughs> it's incredible because you made it happen haven't you? Yeah I,
1: I'm proud of,
0: of I've made it
1: happen not just the physical making it happen and, and I'm not just proud that I, I've run run the business I'm proud of how my business is shaping me and what it is doing to me as a person and how that harsh side of me and I really have got a hot or I really no I still do have a harsh side to me how doing what I'm doing now and actually the contentment that I feel doing what I do now just changes the way i i look at things i'm way more patient now than than i have ever been with other people but with myself and i think a lot of people aren't patient with themselves you know you you wouldn't chastise a friend for you know not being ready in five minutes like you do yourself Uh, there's the the instagram quotes aren't there that that you see that would don't talk to yourself how or only talk to yourself how you talk to your best friend well my best friend will tell you that i'll talk to her quite brutally (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's just having my own business has really it's made me give myself a break and give myself space which corporations can't do that for you they they
0: They're too big to give you space. How would you describe yourself now compared to when you were well, when you had a different life? Content.
1: I no longer need the the grand wealth that that is afforded with a, a high powered job, the you know, the nice cars, the expensive clothes and things like that. I'm just content to be me. That's about the best feeling in the world it really is.
0: And does that feel very different compared to when we last met? Oh, oh, massively. I, the only
1: thing I had felt or was feeling was like I didn't belong. I didn't belong in any, I felt like I work is such a big part of your life and if you feel like you don't belong in in your work life and that you're an imposter in your work life that then starts to leach into other parts of your life i adore my husband and i adore my children and and you know that's reciprocated but i just felt like i didn't belong there and now i 100 I percent belong there that's pretty special
0: What would you say to yourself, to your younger self now, knowing this information?
1: Follow your dream. Don't don't try and grow up. Don't try and grow up too quick. Don't don't let fear stop you from doing anything. I've always lived or I had always lived my life in fear of failure. The only failure is not trying. Give it a go. What have you got to lose? what what have you got to lose
0: do you believe in there being the perfect time to make a change like this no there
1: is no perfect time if if you're looking for the perfect time you're never going to do it because you will always find some reason not to do it there were any doubt has a way of multiplying quicker than anything so if you have any shadow of a doubt if you are waiting for the perfect time for that shadow of a doubt to go it's never going to happen you'll never do it the perfect time is now and what's your method of working through your fears now i do tend not to talk things through with people because if i lay Unless somebody's truly qualified. If I laid my thought process down, people would think I was absolutely crazy. I, I, My thoughts are like a second on this, a second on that, a second on the other. And I'm, I've used the word several times. I just have blind faith that I can make it work somehow. Just don't listen to the fear. I, I don't hear fear anymore. I, I've, I've <laughs> tuned it out. Because what's the point? (laughs) What what is the point? I definitely
0: get that impression from you because even coming in, having this interview and talking about very personal things to you, it just didn't seem to, you didn't ask me what I was going to ask or, I don't know, you just seemed to arrive here and just be totally open to the whole experience.
1: I, I go back to something I said to you earlier, opportunity is where luck and preparation meet. I'm prepared to answer whatever you ask me. And it was a stroke of luck that my friend who had been
0: to see you, it was luck that she told me that she'd seen you. And it was, I think it was so much about your courage as well, your courage to come here and be, be really open about what you were, how you were feeling, what you were going through, and that you just, you didn't want it, you didn't want it anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, I was ready to recover when you're in the darkness of mental health when you're at the at the very dark place you either need somebody either needs to shine shine the light at you or you have to look for the chink of light because that's the only way you're going to come back from that that cliff edge but once you see that light you know you know that you've got some that you there is something for you what's for you will never get by you and that's what that little chink of light is showing you so that's that's what got me to to come and see you originally i i knew something had to change i didn't know what and you just open to the experience yeah I, at, at that point what did i have to lose i'd i'd got
0: i'd got nothing i would got nothing in the tank what had i got to lose so i remember being at that kind of point when i when i went for coaching as well it's like i'd gone down so many rabbit holes trying to trying to change things and i just got to a point where i was like i need some help because i don't know how i just don't know what the answer is but we're programmed not to ask for help
1: to hide it it's not you know needing help isn't shameful everybody needs help with something if your arm was hanging off you wouldn't not go to a and a you know my brain fell out <laughs> that yeah that that's what i equate it to you know my arm wasn't falling out my brain was falling out
0: so uh, why not get help mm. and it's so nice to be able to connect with somebody isn't it to to be to be seen and to be heard i think and
1: yeah yeah
0: without someone saying you should do this
1: <laughs> yeah and that That's really why I liked your approach to coaching. You didn't offer up any advice. You asked the questions I needed to ask myself because I didn't have the strength to ask myself those questions. And that's, you know, what's been born out of that simple conversation is just incredible. It It's not just given me a future. It's It's kept a mum for my kids. It's kept a wife for my husband a sibling for my brothers and sisters, a daughter for my mum, because if I'd have gone back to corporate world, any corporate world, I wouldn't be here.
0: Now you get to ask a question. What question would you like to ask people who are maybe in a similar headspace as you were just a few months ago? I think the biggest question
1: to ask yourself is are you listening to the world are you listening to what the world is telling you if it's got a message for you it's important that you listen to it simple as that
0: thank you very much for sharing at least part of your story are you feeling like it's time to go for a dunk in the cold waterfall
1: oh god I was hoping you'd forgot but (laughs) yeah okay it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much thank you so much